This lamp here, uh, we have had for quite a while, many years. And uh, when we moved into our new home uh, last summer, we you know, set it up like anybody would do. And shortly thereafter, I noticed it wasn't really coming on whenever I would you know, click the little button and the light bulb was fine. Check that. That wasn't an issue. Um, looked and it, the cord was where it should have been, as far as I knew. Uh, but it wasn't working. And so I was, you know, just wanting to throw this lamp away. I saw this lamp is broken. It's not working. It's defective. Just need to get rid of it. But what I found out is that where it was plugged in in our new living room, uh, the plug was situated right under the couch. And so every time someone sat there, you know, their foot would hit the cord and it would come out just enough to where it wasn't getting electricity. Or sometimes it wasn't plugged in at all. And so I would sit there and, you know, I'd, I'd mess with the light because it was on. And then all of a sudden it was off and I'd, I'd try to mess with it without electrocuting myself. And uh, finally I just got frustrated one time and I just unplugged it and just set it to the side. And, and Leanne's like, why do you, why do you have the, the lamp to the side? It, it works. And I said, no, it doesn't. It doesn't work. And so she, she plugged it in. Sure enough, it comes on because she has that electric touch, that magnetic personality, right? Everything she touches works and is beautiful. Um, and so it's like, well, of course you could, you'd get it to work. And then she goes away, and within minutes, it's off again. And so I'm about ready just to take this and just break it over my knee, you know? It's like, oh, this, this stupid lamp, it's not working. But figured out quickly that that was the problem. It was, it was not the lamp. It wasn't the, the bulb. Um, it was the fact that the cord kept coming loose so that the problem wasn't with the lamp. The problem was with me or someone else not watching where we were and we were causing it to come unplugged. And then I was getting frustrated that it wasn't working the way it was supposed to when that wasn't the problem at all. It wasn't connected to the source of electricity. And so many times that's the way we go about our Christian life. You know, we, we don't feel connected to God. We don't feel as close to God as maybe we did before. And after giving that a little thought, and let's be honest, we give it a little thought most of the time. We don't often give it the thought that it requires. But after a little thought, we come up with the conclusion easily, frequently, that I guess it's just... I guess it's just God. I guess he's just, he's just moved away from me. Maybe we would never say that, but that's often the thought. I guess God has just moved away from me. I guess I'm just not as effective as a Christian as I thought. I guess I'm not as good at this Christian thing as other people. And we can blame that experience on a variety of different reasons, but many, many times we're ignoring the heart of the issue, the source of the problem, and that's that we have just allowed ourselves, for whatever reason, to be disconnected, as it were, from the power source. Because what we've been looking at through this series is how vital the Holy Spirit really is to every aspect of of our Christian life, individually, corporately, We started off the series talking about how he is the spirit of truth and how that's so important for us 
Because we need divine help in discerning between truth and falsehood. And that's going to become increasingly more needed as we go forward in time. And he is the spirit of truth. Last week we talked about how we need a sense of security. And so many people struggle with the sense of security in Christ and eternal security. And they struggle with it to sometimes the point of depression. And I share with you my background with that. But that the Holy Spirit seals us in our salvation and provides the power to keep us in that salvation that we can't find in ourselves. And today as we continue on, I want us to talk about two specific areas of the Christian life that many people struggle with. And if you don't struggle with the first one, I guarantee that you struggle with the second one. And if you say, oh no, I really don't, I don't struggle with either of these ever, well then you're probably in denial And we can talk about that too. Because these areas of of difficulty or of struggle are just about universal. Just about universal. And so what the Holy Spirit helps us with, in addition to what we've already talked about in our time in this series, is that he helps us with our talking and our walking. The Holy Spirit helps us with our talking and our walking. Now I could go a different direction entirely than I'm going with this today, but what I mean by this specifically today is that he empowers our prayer to the Father and our purity before the Father. That's what I mean by the Holy Spirit helping us with our talking and our walking. Our talking, I mean that with, uh, he helps us with our prayer. That's what I mean by that. He helps us with our prayer to the Father. And as far as walking is concerned, I mean that he helps us with our purity before the Father. And when you think of purity in this context, most of the time we think of moral purity or specifically you know, sexual purity. That's kind of where we go whenever you hear that word. But what I'm talking about here is just general righteousness, purity before God in a general sense, uh, kind of in in all the categories, in all the areas, okay? Um, So starting off uh, with the talking part, our talking to God, prayer, the way that the Holy Spirit helps us with prayer. The reason that that is so necessary to remember that we have that available to us, that divine help in prayer, is because while prayer as a concept is pretty simple, I mean, the, the concept isn't that hard to wrap your mind around. You know, you're talking, you're communicating with God. That's, that's prayer. Simple in concept. But that does not mean it's not incredibly serious and important in practice. I mean, think about it for a second. Who is it that you're talking with and communicating with and listening to? Two, which is also part of prayer that we neglect. It's also listening. It's a two-way conversation. But who is it that you're doing that with? Well, it's, it's God. It's the God of all the universe. It's the maker of all things. It's the king of the universe. The keeper of eternity. And so we need to remember that while we can indeed go boldly before the throne room, before the throne of grace, we can do that through Christ because of Christ. The Bible tells us that, that we can come boldly before the throne, which is incredible. As great as that is, and as much as we should embrace that, we need to remember 
that it's God who is on that throne, not us. We need to remember that as we're going before God, we're the the small, insignificant creation going before our Creator enthroned. And so that seriousness needs to be in our minds and in our hearts. And beyond that, just think about your own, your own experience with prayer. Maybe, maybe some of you struggle with that more than others. Uh, I've you know, talked with many different Christians over the years who um, prayer seems to be a very difficult aspect of their Christian experience. I mean, you're not going to find a Christian that will disagree with the importance of prayer. You're not going to find that. Uh, I mean, everybody's going to agree, yeah, prayer is important, it's biblical, I know I need to do it. But some Christians might find it easier than others to actually apply that, that concept of prayer and to continually do that. Um, maybe that's you. Maybe you, know, you don't have any trouble getting in the Word and spending hours and hours and hours reading Scripture. Maybe that's not a hard thing for you. Maybe you don't have any problem visiting people in their homes or in nursing homes and, and being an encourager to them. Maybe that's not a difficulty for you at all. But maybe when it comes to prayer, just you and God or even public prayer, maybe there's just something you can't even understand or explain it. It's just this block. Maybe that's you. I've encountered many, many people that that's true of. So if that's you, take heart. You're not alone. There's, there's not something wrong with you, okay? Uh, it's just that that's an area that maybe you struggle with. The good news for all of us, whether you struggle with that area or not, is that you have, if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit who actually helps you in your prayer. And that's a great, great thought. Very, very encouraging. Because Sometimes you might find yourself as you're in prayer and you just can't even, can't even come up with the right words. You know what I mean? Ever been there? Like you, you're trying to pray. You want to pray. You know you have that need to come before your Father. You know that you believe what the Bible says, that, that you can come boldly before the throne of grace and find help in time of need. And you're in that time of need, which we're all there at some point every day, by the way. But you, you know that, you agree with that, and so you're doing it. But for some reason, you just can't seem to break through. It's like your prayer doesn't go any higher than the ceiling, you know. That might be your experience. And from time to time, we'll all have something along those lines by way of experience. Uh, or maybe you find yourself, you're in prayer, and for some reason, you inevitably end up just kind of repeating the same thing over and over, and you just are kind of rambling and babbling, as it were. Uh, you know, and Jesus, when he, when he was instructing the disciples about prayer in Matthew, he said, don't be like the pagans who think they'll be heard for their much repetition, their vain repetition. And, and maybe sometimes that would categorize your prayer life. Maybe that's you. Or, another example, maybe tragedy has entered your life. Maybe you're in a season of, of heartbreak and heartache. Maybe you're in a season of the anguish of the soul. Maybe it's because of a loss of a, of a loved one in your life. Maybe it's because of something impacting you directly, personally. Maybe it's the loss of a job. Maybe it's um, your, your child is in a very difficult circumstance. Maybe you have been crushed and hurt and let down and betrayed by those closest to you. I mean, it could be any number of things. You can fill in the blank. 
But maybe that's your experience now, or maybe you can identify with that because you've just gone through something like that. And so when it comes to prayer, your heart is just so heavy and under the weight of whatever you're carrying that sometimes it's like all you can even hope to get out is just Father. And you can't even go farther. Or maybe it's just God, help. And you don't even know what else to say. You, you, you just, you're stuck. In any of those things that I've mentioned, I think that at some point we're all going to be there. I mean, I certainly can identify with what I just said. When my family was going through what we were facing with my mom and uh, the diagnosis of her pancreatic cancer, wow, i got to tell you, our, our, our world came crashing down. I, I had no idea what to say to, to God. I was lost. I was, was angry and um, scared and, and all of it, all rolled into, all the emotions rolled into one. And I remember physically feeling the weight of my heart and it was like I was, you know, being constricted. And all I could get out was just, God, please. That's all I could get out for a while. And you know what? I've always taken comfort in, in things like that or these other scenarios that I've mentioned. What I've always been able to take comfort in is the promise of the Scripture that I want us to consider here with this amazing reality that we have the help of the Holy Spirit actually helping us along in our prayer. It's in Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27. Amazing verses in God's Word. It says this, Likewise, the Spirit... The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, which we can all identify with having. We all should say, yep, yep, I've got weakness. Boy, let me tell you, you have no idea. I'm with you. We all are there in some way or another. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, and here's the specific area of weakness that he helps us in. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought or as we should. We can all really actually say what the disciples said to Jesus. Lord, teach us to pray. We need some help. We need to know how we should be praying. Teach us. Help us. And so he, he did. He gave them kind of the model pattern of prayer. Well, we can all say that. The Bible here says that's true of all of us. We do not know what to pray for as we ought. Or you could say we, we don't know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts, this is speaking of the Father, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Isn't that beautiful? That's such a powerful promise. That you and I don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to be like, you know, someone who has a PhD in prayer. <laughs> you know? I mean, we, can just, we can just pray. And that doesn't mean don't think about what we're saying. That's not what I'm suggesting. That's not right. When we do need to, to think about what we're praying and think about what we're saying, and we need to take prayer seriously, and as I just said a few moments ago, remembering who it is we're going before, all that is true, but 
Beloved, feel freedom in, in your prayer. Don't allow the enemy to take something that is such an amazing gift and privilege to actually go before the God of all things in prayer. Don't let him take that and rob the joy of it you know, from you. Don't let him suck the joy out of, out of your prayer time with the Lord because it's meant to be a joyful experience. It's meant to be a comforting experience, a restful experience. It's meant to be something that provides healing and encouragement and strength. It's not meant to be something that you are just so stressed out that you just don't even do it. And sometimes we can do that. We can get so anxious and caught up about, are we praying right? You know, as if there's just this, this formula that we have to make sure we get right or, or our prayers aren't effective or our prayers aren't heard. No, just Take what is on your heart and what is on your mind and go before the Lord with it, knowing that A, he already knows what's on your mind and heart. B, he delights in hearing from you like he's eager to hear from you. Let that thought sink in. That the God of all creation and all eternity actually eagerly waits to hear from you. He loves hearing from you. And then C, and and most importantly, As you're doing that, as you're entering into that time of prayer, you have the Spirit of God Himself praying for you as you're praying. Where He's saying before the Father, I know you're hearing them and I know you're you're understanding that they're coming before you. Here's what they're really trying to express, Father. Here's what they're really trying to say. Here's what they mean. And, And they're kind of rambling over here, I know, and they're kind of babbling a little bit, and, and their prayer is pretty self-focused here, so I just, I intercede for them now before you. What, what an amazing privilege that is, to know that you have the very Spirit of God taking what you're saying, or the lack of what you're, what you're saying, you know, what you're not saying maybe, and he's interceding for you and ministering on your behalf. Our God is, our God is just so, so good. I mean, not only do you have the Father who sent His Son, His only Son for us to be the sacrifice that we needed to come to Him, but then after Jesus goes to the cross, after He rises from the dead, after He ascends back to the Father, we're told that He ever lives to intercede for us. So we have Jesus, the Son of God, at the right hand of the Father, always interceding for you and me, pleading our cause, defending us against the accusation of our enemy, which is all the time. So you have that going on. And then you have the Spirit of God inside of us interceding for us as we pray. There's no one like our God. No one like our God. So he helps us with our prayer, and that's always needed, and that's always something to take great encouragement from, and I hope you will today. I hope you will just be full of joy and that much more eager to really go after prayer. I hope that just ignites your prayer life, knowing that. It's an incredible thought. But he also, it's not just the help with prayer. He also helps us with our purity. And again, that's, that's all-encompassing. I don't mean just one example of purity or one aspect of purity. I mean just general purity before God, our life of holiness, our life of righteousness before God, which we're all called to as Christians. He helps us with that. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, and I've actually referenced this verse uh, at other times throughout our series. Last week I referenced this in 
in saying that we have the freedom from fear of losing our salvation. We have the freedom from anxiety because of what this verse says. But I'm applying this verse today to to this very concept that we have the freedom to be pure. We have the ability to be righteous and to be holy. We have the ability to choose that. We're not under the crushing weight of sin and being obligated to it with this verse. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit's divinity on display, like we started off talking about in the series, that He is very fully God. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And what we're talking about with this today, right now, as we switch gears from prayer, is the fact that He gives us the freedom from sin. He frees us to be able to resist sin, to reject sin. He frees us to be able to embrace righteousness, to embrace holiness. He gives us the ability to say no to sin, to say no to self, to say no to Satan. He frees us for that. So many times this particular verse and others like it are taken out of context. Where people use this really to give excuse for living however they want. Or you know, just living for themselves, living self-focused lives. That's not the point. We don't have freedom from the Holy Spirit just to, to live however we may wish. To do whatever pleases us. That's not what this is for. The freedom that we are given here through Christ, given by the Spirit, is to be able to live by the Spirit and to live for Christ. That's the freedom that we're given. And so because of that, it's very important to understand that because of that, that's just the way I am, no longer works as an excuse. I don't know how many times I have personally heard that when confronting someone over sin or counseling someone over a a constant struggle, and I've actually heard that, well, that's just the way I am. How many times have you used that? In some fashion. Well, that's just the way I am. Either love me or don't. If you don't want to accept me, that's on you. But that's, like it or or not, that's what you get. That's what I am. That's just how I am. That's the way I am. How many times have, have you yourself used that in some way? Or, to look at it another direction, how many times, Christian, in your struggle against sin... Have you just gotten tired of that struggle, tired of that striving? You, you've, you know, you've worked toward holiness, you've pursued holiness, but you just keep getting knocked down again, and finally you've just had enough, and you've just decided in your mind maybe, maybe you've just settled for the fact that I guess this is just going to be the way I am. I mean, yeah, I know I'm a Christian, but I can't seem to kick this whatever. I guess that's just the way I am. No, no. Once we become a true Christian a true Christian, and the Spirit of God and all His power dwells in us, we can no longer justify sinful choices, sinful actions, and living according to the impulses of our sinful flesh by saying, that's just the way I am. That's just how I am. That's the way I've always been. No. No. That may be how we were, that may very well be how people outside of Christ simply are, but if you're in Christ, if you're really in Christ, 
then the Holy Spirit is in you. And he provides the power every single day, every single moment to be something totally different than how you've always been or the way you naturally are in the flesh. We need to understand what we have, church, in the Spirit of God. We have the power that raised Jesus from the dead, living in us, giving life also to our mortal bodies. We need to believe that. We need to understand what we've been given. And furthermore, we need to understand this and remember this, that the cost for our freedom from all that, from sin, from self, from the enemy, the freedom that we've been given through Christ in the Spirit, the cost for that freedom, it was too great to settle for sin so easily. The cost for our freedom was too great to settle for sin so easily because the cost was the sacrificial death of the Son of God. That's why we're able to have the Spirit of God and the power of God at work in us. It's because the Son of God gave his life for us. And so the cost is too great and and the power available is too great to allow such a weak response to sin to happen, which is no response at all. I mean, if we just keep saying, oh, that's just the way I am, that's just how I've been wired, that's just how I've always been, if, if you name the name of Christ and you really believe you're in him, then that's just far too weak of a response to sin. It's really no response to sin at all. We need to remember who and what we have in us, what we have available to us through the Spirit. Here's what Romans 8.13 says along these lines. Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit, by His power, by His work, you put to death the deeds of the body, which we have the ability to do, we have the freedom to do, you will live. So what that's saying is, if you just continue to live according to the flesh, you can say you're a Christian all day long. You can say you've received Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord. But if you just perpetually, constantly, just unapologetically live according to the flesh without any repentance, that's just who you are, then that shows you and others around you something very clearly, that you're not really in Christ. Because if you are in Christ, you're going to, not perfectly, but continually, you're going to be putting to death the deeds of the flesh. You're going to do it. You're going to strive against sin. You're going to feel that tension you're going, to, you're going to feel discouraged. You're going to actually feel the weight of your sin. You're going to feel defeated. You're going to feel tired and weary because you're striving against sin. See, the, the unbeliever, the one outside of Christ, they don't feel that tension at all. They're just floating along in the river of sin and self. It's nice. It's like the lazy river. You guys like lazy rivers, right? And we love lazy rivers. When, you know, when we're looking at amusement parks and stuff to go with the kids, we're always like, hey, do they have a lazy river? Because you just jump in and you just float. It's nice. 
it's totally different from the experience that you get when you go like down to the New River Gorge and you're doing the rapids. You know, I've done that in all my life of living in West Virginia. I've done that one time, and one time was enough. <laughs> yep. Once I went through double Z, I was like, <laughs> that's it for me. Because it's not like you're just floating along. What a nice river this is. It's like, ah! And you get out of the boat and you're like this. It's like, how you doing? <laughs> I mean, I couldn't move for a month. Because you're using every, every part of your body, every inch of any muscle you have, you're using it to stay alive. My friends, that's exactly how it is if you're truly in Christ. You are paddling against the current. You are striving against the current. And at some point, you're even going to get knocked out of the boat and it's going to drag you for a while. But you always have the guide with you to get you back in the boat. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And you also always have power to keep going. Just when you think you have nothing left. Just when you think it's not worth it. You have the power behind you and in you propelling you forward. But that doesn't mean that there's not the striving. That doesn't mean there's not the work. That doesn't mean that it's not exhausting. Because it is. So if you're just cruising along and you don't feel any tension and you don't feel any struggle in your Christian life and you don't ever feel discouraged or weighed down by your sin, then you need to ask a very serious question. Am I actually in Christ? Because all who are in Christ will suffer. You'll either suffer from outside of you, from persecution coming at you, or you're going to suffer from within with your own struggle against sin. It's going to happen. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live because you're showing yourself to be one who has truly been taken hold of and given life. And along the same lines of thought here, Romans 6, 12-13 tells us this, Let not sin, therefore, because you're in Christ, because you have the freedom from sin, you have the power of God enabling you, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but, in contrast, Present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. See, this implies freedom. This implies a choice. This implies some deliberate action. Instead of presenting yourself, choosing to present yourself to sin making yourself available to sin, instead of choosing that, you now have the power to present yourself to righteousness and to present yourself to God. See, there's a difference there. And we have the ability to choose that difference through the Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-4 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, that's saying you know, we, we still live in this body of flesh, we're still fleshly beings, physical beings, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. 
For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have, this is great, divine power to destroy strongholds. See, this is why the, this is just the way I am, this is just how I'm going to be, doesn't work. Because you have, if you're in Christ, divine power to destroy and demolish every stronghold that may be in your life. And look, I get it. There, there may be some of you who have incredible fortresses that have been built up over a long time in your life. And you're right. You can't defeat those. You can't destroy those in your own power, in your own ability. I can't either. But if you're in Christ... You have the very power of God that can come against whatever stronghold and fortress may be in your life, and it cannot and it will not stand against His power. Because we have divine power to destroy strongholds. What that means for us, church, is that that we war against the flesh by choosing the Spirit over self. We war against the flesh By choosing the Spirit over self. We don't war against the flesh by trying harder. We don't war against the flesh by having more self-determination. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know that. I mean, When you try on your own, and you just try harder to not do that thing, not to be that way, not to say that again, whatever it is, you you just try harder. I think I can. I think I can. You know, no, it doesn't work. You fall flat on your face every time. Having more self-determination, that, that doesn't work. At least not very long. Maybe a little bit, but not very long. Not consistently. Not continually. You know, our little boy Aiden, he's three going on 35. And in his mind anyway. Um, whenever we you know, are getting groceries from the, from the van, we pull the, the van in in the garage and we, we get groceries. Or if I'm there and Leanne's come from the store or whatever, he always wants to run out and he wants to help. And so he'll just start grabbing groceries out of the, the trunk. And we're like, no! You know, uh, and so he just keeps grabbing because he wants to show us how strong he is and how able he is to get all the groceries. And he's, he just wants to help. But in that wanting to help, he also wants to prove, I'm mighty. I'm big. And so he'll get these bags that are bigger than he is, and you know, he'll, he'll just be dragged by them. And inevitably, if we don't stop him, something that's in that bag will break through, and it'll, it'll you know, break. It'll, it'll be done. And we're in the exact same state as our little boy is, trying to carry a load that's too big for him when we go at the flesh in our own power. It's the same thing. We may have the, the good desire, we may have the right intention, but if, if we, in our limited, limited strength, no matter how good you might be, no matter who you are, we're all in the same boat, needy, needy people spiritually. If we go at the flesh with our own strength and our own effort, it's going to be just like what happens to Aiden. It's going to drag us down and weigh us down and no good will come from it. We war, we war against the flesh by surrendering ourselves, mind, body, and spirit, not to our flesh, not to our enemy, but to the Spirit of God and to His desires over ours, to His dominance 
over every part of our lives. That's how to war against the flesh. That's how you fight the flesh. It's by surrendering, by giving up, by giving over. Not just giving up and walking away. Oh, that's just how it's going to be. I guess I'll always be thrown by this. No, it's by giving up control to the Spirit of God who gives you the power to be victorious. That's how you do it. And here's this beautiful, beautiful promise in Scripture that reinforces that. Philippians 2.13 says this, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Did you catch the both and the and there? It's God who works in you, namely the Spirit of God, who works in you both to will, that means to have the desire. He gives you the want to, to want to. Gives you the want to not give in. Gives you that desire. And he gives you the ability, the work. He, he helps you actually carry that desire out. He gives you the, the right desire and he gives you the power to fulfill that desire against the flesh. It's amazing. It's amazing what God does in us if, if we will yield to him and, and let him have his way with us. And we need that because sometimes we may not even have the right desire. We need him to give us that right desire. And then if we have the right desire, we're going to come up short every time if we depend on our own ability. So he comes in and he helps us with both. Isn't that great? Amen. See, he doesn't just empower us to strive or work against sin. That's, that's a big part of it. But the Holy Spirit doesn't just empower us to strive or work against sin. He also empowers us to strive and work toward righteousness. He empowers us to strive and work towards the good we are called to, not just the bad that we're called to avoid. Good things like wives submitting to your husbands as to the Lord Dun, dun, dun. Warning, warning, danger, Will Robertson, you know. Get away from there. Stop, stop. That's what you're probably thinking in your mind, guys. Just stop. You're danger, no good can come from this. No, it's true. It's in God's word. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. It's Ephesians 5.22. So the Holy Spirit will enable you, wives, to do that. And for some of you, married to who you might be, you need even more power than others. You know, um, but he, he gives you the power to do that. Um, husbands, we're told to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's Ephesians 5.25. How's that working out for you? Huh? Depends on the moment. Second? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. The Holy Spirit will help us husbands to do that. Um, good things like children. Obeying your parents in the Lord and honoring your father and your mother, to which every parent says, hey, Amen. Right? That's Ephesians 6, 1 through 2. Not just hard, impossible by yourself. Or how about this? Fathers, not stirring up your children to anger, but bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Not just pushing their buttons and provoking them, but mentoring and guiding them and nourishing them. It's Ephesians 6, 4. Or how about this, everyone? Consider your others as more important than yourselves, looking not only to your interests, 
but also to the interest of others. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Or also, everyone, being kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, no matter what, you could insert in brackets, no matter what, forgiving one another, period, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. I could go on and on and on. But the point is, all of that, all those good things that we're called to, along with the bad things we're called to avoid, all of that is impossible to do in our own strength. We have to be totally, constantly depending on the Holy Spirit's power to be successful, to be consistent in actually living that out. Any of that. So, remember this, believe this, that the Holy Spirit is constantly available. He's always available. His help in prayer is always available. His power for purity is always available. Always. We just have to choose to apply it, and He will even help us with that. He'll even help us with with that choice. He'll help us with that part. You know, even choosing his, his power to yield to, he'll help us do that as well. We just have to ask. You know, the Bible says you don't have because you don't ask, or you ask in the wrong way. We just have to ask. He's there, constantly available. It's good news, right? All right, let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your word and how, how clear it is, how relevant it is. How powerful it is, your truth and your reality. Please help us, Father, to be a church made up of individual believers that that really believe what we have just talked about. Help us to be people that believe that we have the very Spirit of God in us and knowing what that means, the power of God at work in us. Thank you for giving us someone that will help us with our prayer before you. So often we get in the way and we don't know what we should even pray before you. Sometimes we can't even express the words. And it's in those times that we can draw great comfort from knowing it's okay. Because we have the Spirit of God actually praying for us. And Father, in our struggle and striving against sin, thank you for the awesome reality that we have the very power of God in us through your Spirit giving us the ability to be free from those things, giving us the ability to conquer. Help us to use that. Help us to apply the work and the ministry and the power of your Spirit. And in all of that, help us to remember the great cost that was paid to give us your Spirit, the very life of your Son. Help us to honor Him by yielding to your Spirit. And I pray that for all of us, In Jesus' name, amen.